Well, we're going to get into the Word this morning, and uh, I've got a Word which our theme for the year, as you've seen probably uh, as the uh, building has been going up and you've seen the building video, the theme for our year has been Wisdom Builds the House. We've been talking about different aspects of wisdom, and uh, we did a series on financial wisdom, and just talking about how uh, we can build something, but if we don't attach wisdom in our lives, then ultimately the thing will fall. So our lives will fall, our business will fall if we don't attach wisdom to as we build. Uh, a house built without wisdom won't, uh, won't last. Our church won't last if we don't operate in wisdom. And so we've been talking about wisdom. Wisdom's not just knowing something, but it's applied knowledge. It's putting something into practice. And so the title of my message this morning is Wisdom-Filled Faith. Wisdom-Filled Faith. How do we attach wisdom to our life of faith? We're going to read from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. And it says this, great scripture, perfect for all of those getting baptized today and great for all of us as well. There's just a little buzz down here, guys. If we can fix that, that would be great. Just in this speaker here, if we can try and sort it out. If not, it's okay. Hebrews 12 verse 1 to 3 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Thanks, Grant. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Other versions say the author and the finisher of our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. I love this scripture. Anyone else love this scripture? This is such a brilliant passage of scripture. And uh, here it talks about how life can sometimes be considered or, or uh, compared to a race, a race that we're running. Does anyone in the room like running races? Three people. I'm ashamed of our church this morning. Come on. No, no, no. Does anyone like running races? Okay, th- five people. Unlike, you know, unlike me, you know, me, when I grew up, I was a Division One sprinter. You sound shocked. I know it's hard to I know it's not hard to picture that considering my lean physique but I was a division A sprinter granted it was when I was 6 years old though I was in grade 1 and my mum thought I was lying when I told her that I was in division A how did you cheat that I said mum I'm in division A she didn't believe me and uh, anyway that was the first and last time I ever raced in division 1 I think I must have been put there by mistake. I ended in that race dead last. That was the one and only time I was ever in Division 1 in a running race at school. And uh, it wasn't a a naturally, uh, I I was never naturally gifted with sprinting speed like some people in the room. My sprinting career was over even before it started. But the thing about running races, right, is sometimes races don't go how we plan them to go, right? Right? 
Sometimes the race didn't go as you planned. And especially if we kind of put that into the race of life, sometimes things don't go how we expected them to go. I don't want to actually say sometimes, all the time, things don't go how we planned them to go. You know, things happen which we didn't account for. The race of life contains hurdles, obstacles, opposition. But the great news is there's a great crowd cheering you on as you run this race of life. And if you keep your gaze fixed straight ahead, if you keep your eyes, uh, you know, not only is there a great crowd, but if you keep your gaze straight on Jesus waiting there in front of you, then you will have the endurance as you run. But we need to keep our eyes fixed, our gaze straight ahead on Jesus. And I've just mentioned it, but one of the keys to this race of life, this life that we live, all of us will live our own separate lives. I've just been thinking about how each life is so different. And uh, I've just been thinking about that over the last couple of weeks, just mulling on that thought about how every single one of us will face different challenges and different things and different opportunities and, and different experiences in life. I even look at, you know, Mulwa and Chabu, twins here, and uh, they, twins in the womb together, look exactly the same, yet they will face, ex- they will face many different challenges in their life. The person sitting next to you, You might have a lot of similarities, but you will face and have faced different things to them. It doesn't make you better or worse than them. It just shows that life is different for all of us. The race of life for each and every one of us. Some of us might run a a simple 100-meter run. Others, it might look like a 200-meter curve. Some of us, it looks like a steeplechase where we're jumping over things and landing in puddles and we're doing this and that. Life is different for all of us. But for every single one of us, we will need to attach endurance to our lives and to our faith. The Scripture said, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. You know, endurance in this scripture is this Greek word, I'm going to try and pronounce it, hupomone, hupomone. Hupo literally means under, mone means to stay, remain or abide. This is what this word endurance, let us run this race with endurance or let us run with endurance, let us run with hupomone, under. Hupo is under, mone is to stay, remain, or abide. Literally, what the root idea of this word hupomone is to remain under discipline, subjecting yourself to something where you would usually rebel and turn away. This hupomone word means to steadfastly wait for help whilst under the pressure of a heavy load. And this, this term Hupomone is this quality of character which does not allow you to surrender under circumstances or to give up under trial. Who wants to develop this word endurance, right? We need to develop in this area of hupomone. That's the last time I'm going to say it. Amen? To live this life and succeed, every single one of us will need to develop this Uh, idea of endurance. It's this kind of consistency or endurance with a forward-faced look to what's beyond the current pressure that you're under. 
And endurance will be the key to you succeeding and flourishing into who God has called you to be. I, I shared a few weeks ago about being you know, overwhelmed but choosing to believe. I think we could have touched that. I feel like this is something that God is trying to speak to our church right now. That uh, in the midst of our challenge, or, and, and I don't even want to attach it just to challenge. I shared when I talked about being overwhelmed, sometimes you can be overwhelmed with, the, like, with good things. Maybe your business is flourishing or maybe there's just lots going on and, and the things that you've prayed and believed for are happening, but you just don't know how to handle the situation. But for many of us, it will be the challenge or the unexpected that comes into our life, which we're f- trying to figure out how to navigate. Maybe for some of you, it's exams right now. Maybe for you, it's, it, it's, it's not having a job and, and you're under this pressure of how will I go next? Or maybe it's ill health or something is assailing you. Maybe it's uh, an issue at work or I don't know what it is. But like I said, many of us, uh, all of our lives are different. But in the midst of our challenges, it's developing this quality, this character trait of endurance, which is going to help us succeed, flourish and thrive. Amen. I pray that each person here would be stirred in your faith, that you would grow in endurance to run the race set before you, to not let challenges overwhelm you, to run with endurance and perseverance the race set before you. So a wisdom-filled faith is one with endurance. And my first point is one with time in His presence. Wisdom-filled faith is, is a faith that allows us to follow God wholeheartedly Oh, sorry, a faith that allows us to follow God wholeheartedly is cultivated by time in His presence. Okay, so an enduring faith that allows us to serve God wholeheartedly, which is what we're meant to do. A wisdom-filled faith of endurance is cultivated by time in God's presence. There's no other way around it. I don't know about you, but is anyone else inspired by stories of people who had faced immense challenge but never gave up? Anyone else inspired by that? I love hearing stories where people faced incredible challenge, yet they never gave up. And if the the perfect example, the best example we could look at is when Jesus displayed this. As described in the book of Hebrews, when he endured the pain of the cross. Yet he never gave up. You know, we can only run, like I said earlier, this race of life when we look to Jesus and have our eyes locked on to him. We need to lock our eyes onto Jesus. He needs to be our focus, our inspiration, our example. The truth is, we have to choose to look away from other things and look and fix our eyes on Jesus. Many things in our life excuse me, will cause us to try and look to the left and the right, but it's our choice to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And the the Bible says, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this. So this is how we do this endurance race. This is how we do it, by keeping our eyes on Jesus, like the book of Hebrews said, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. If you want to run with endurance, <coughs> sorry, one week away, and my voice is playing tricks on me, one week away, come on. And uh, we do this by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. Romans 15 verse 5 to 6 
says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward, toward each other that Christ Jesus had. Thanks, mate. So that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. What a powerful scripture that is. God gives endurance and encouragement, but it only comes through time in His presence. It comes no other way. If you're like, oh, how do, I, how do I do this? How do I develop in this endurance? It can only come through time in His presence. And many times we know that to be the case. It's just whether we choose to do it or not. I remember before Pastor Lisa and I started dating, I was interested in this girl who was, she was a Jezebel. Let's just put it that way. She wasn't the right person for me. I'm just going to label her as a Jezebel, Okay. And uh, I was heartbroken when it wasn't reciprocated. And uh, I, I was, or, or I can't remember the story. It was so long ago now. Come on. Keep focused, people. Focus your eyes on Jesus, not on my previous love life. Come on. But I remember going through this challenge where it didn't work out, and praise the Lord, it didn't. But at the time, I, I, I was struggling with it. And I remember I turned to a friend, and they said, Oh, okay, they're hearing me, they're listening, and they're listening really intently. And then they said, oh, have you prayed about this? I was like, what do you mean? They're like, have you prayed about it? I was like, uh, uh, yeah, but I've spoken to lots of people. Yeah, but have you prayed about it? I was like, mm, no. I think many of us are like that. The simple answer is waiting there right in front of us. Have you spent time in God's presence and prayed about this? Oh, I've got this big job uh, opportunity coming up. The first question I'd ask is, have you prayed about it? Oh, I, I feel like I'm moving on to, uh, I, I feel like God is calling me to another church. Mm, have you prayed about that? Oh, I feel like I need to do this. Have you prayed about it? And usually the answer I get is no. And I think if we asked ourselves many times when we're facing things, the answer is right there in front of us. Have we spent time in His presence? I'm really struggling with, with study and school and, and sickness and this. And it's like, and, and I'm just really, you know, not doing well. Have you spent time in His presence? Have you stopped everything and just put some worship music on? Have you stopped everything and just spent time in His Word and just prayed, Lord, speak to me and help me through this situation? Now, I'm not saying this to make you feel bad. I'm just saying this is the answer. If you're struggling and you're going, well, I don't know how to get through, turn to Jesus, time in His presence. I love this. In, in the book of Joshua, it talks about Caleb following God wholeheartedly. It says this, Joshua 14, verse 7 to 9. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. This is when they sent the 12 spies out. And Caleb said, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions, which was a positive report. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. 
So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked in will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Isn't that a great description of spending time in His presence? As Caleb followed God wholeheartedly and spent time in His presence, he came back with a positive report. And through spending time in God's presence, his generations forever were set up, which was swore to him by Moses. Caleb emphasized this personal relationship with God. He said, I followed the Lord my God. With that statement, he showed that he followed God more than the idols that the Israelites would ultimately fall to. He said, I'm following God wholeheartedly. I'm spending time in His presence. You know, the great downfall of the Israelites was that instead of following the one true God, they followed the false gods of Canaan. And we can accidentally or sometimes deliberately do this by following idols in our own lives. Instead of spending time in God's presence, what we do is we spend time with idols that we set up ourselves. And, and this is not to say they're bad, they're just negative when they become idols in our lives and replace our spending time with God. So don't think, oh, Pastor Liam said social media is bad. No, nothing wrong with social media. But when that becomes an idol, when you go to that to try and get a, a, a feeling which only God can give, well, then that's become an idol instead of God. So we do this with idols such as social media, like I said, success in business. We try and fill a void in our life which only God should fill by trying to get more busy with business. We do this with relationships. You know, we, we, we don't spend time with God who we can't see, so we spend time with people that we can see thinking that's going to fill the void. And we do this with our own kind of personal hedonistic desires. Hedonism is trying to uh, uh, go after pleasure or what makes you feel good above anything else. This absence of pain by trying to fill your life with good things. And we think, if I can just fill my life and feel good, I'll be okay. But that cannot compare to spending time in His presence. Come on, people. It is the only thing that is going to help you run this race with endurance. Caleb was different. He served God wholeheartedly. He spent time in his presence. And you will walk in the promises of God for your life. Caleb walked in. He, was, uh, he walked in the promise that God had for him. What was that? That was walking into the land. The land represented God's promise for his life. I want to tell you, you will walk in God's promise for your life when you follow him wholeheartedly. It's but, but you do that by spending time in his presence. There's no other way around it. There's no cheat code. There's no life hack. It's simple, yet difficult, disciplined living in God's presence. Simple doesn't mean it's easy, right? Just because something's simple doesn't mean it's easy. I, I, I put something up here, okay? Time in His presence helps you follow God wholeheartedly, which helps you walk in His promises. Most of us want this last one. We don't like doing the first two, right? Oh, Lord, just give me the promises that you've given me. But it means I have to spend time in His presence and follow Him wholeheartedly. Hmm, I don't know if I want to do that. But that's how you will get to this bottom one. You can't walk in His promises without doing the first two. You know, a faith that endures wholeheartedly, my second point, doesn't make excuses, 
Some of us love making excuses. Have you ever felt like sometimes you're regressing rather than progressing? Have the pressures of life maybe ever got too much for you? In those moments, do you love to make excuses why things aren't happening? I think I'm like that sometimes, right? I'm not the only one, surely, people. Come on. If yes, you, if, if that's you, you like making excuses, you're not alone. Most people would like to make excuses rather than making things happen. A motivational speaker, Jim Ron, said, if you really want to do something, you'll find a way. If you don't, you'll find an excuse. I thought that was pretty good. If you really want to do something, you'll find a way. If you don't, you'll find an excuse. Some, some of us, our spiritual gift is making excuses. Just look straight ahead. Come on. So Others are like, oh, how are they going to spin this one? Oh, I'm just amazing at making excuses why something couldn't happen. You know, sometimes we hide behind excuses instead of walking into the destiny that God prepares for us. Think of Moses. God called him and this was his response. Exodus 4. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I've, I've never been and I'm not now, even though you've spoken to me. I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. It's a different version just for emphasis, okay? Then the Lord asked Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he speaks well, and look, he is on his way to meet you now. He will be delighted to see you. How many of us get like Moses? Ah, Lord, just please send someone else, not me. I don't want to do that. It needs to be someone else. It's easier to make excuses, but just because something's easier doesn't make it right. And the truth is many of us go through or experience periods of questioning God, questioning His faithfulness, maybe going through a crisis of faith. How am I going to get through this? God, how am I going to, how do I navigate this season? And I think that's the enemy's plan for us, is to get us to make excuses, to disqualify ourselves, make excuses why you can't do something, or maybe something's happened to you, which in life has disqual- you think has disqualified you from living a life for God. But I think we need to let go of excuses, amen? Can we let go of excuses, church? why you can't do something, why God can't come through, why you can't rise up in leadership, why you can't get that job, why you can't be a successful business person. We need to stop making excuses and start saying, God, if you're with me, I can do this. Come on. We need to endure, persevere, never give up and encourage each other to do the same. A a wisdom-filled faith that endures wholeheartedly does not make excuses. And my final point is this. A faith that endures is protected by a thankful heart. Come on. A faith that endures, this enduring faith, this hupomone faith. I know I wasn't going to say it, but I'm just tempted to say it again. This hupomone faith that endures is protected by a thankful heart. 
We cannot underestimate having a thankful heart to God. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. I think we can have this enduring faith, but if we start to have an ungrateful heart to God, if we lose our thankfulness to Him, then things can creep in here, which eventually come out here. You can fake it all you want out here, but if you let it creep in here, eventually it's going to come out. So we need to have a thankful heart to God. That's why I love Psalm 100, verse 4. Like when we come into church, when we come into His presence, it says, enter His gates with what? Thanksgiving. Go into His courts with what? Praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. That's why when we sing this morning, like I, we were singing that song, Praise. I praise because you're faithful. I praise because you're true. I praise because there's nobody like, oh, greater than you. Thank you. I need the lyrics. But it talks in that song, it's like, I'll praise. Even when things aren't going my way, I'll choose to praise. Even when things aren't how I want them to be, I'm going to choose to praise. Why? Is because that protects your heart. That protects your faith. Even when things aren't going well, choose to praise. Choose to thank Him for His goodness. Choose to be in His presence. It's, so, it's actually so easy to complain. Just like I said some of us have spiritual gifts to uh, make excuses. I, I remember this one person. I, they, they will remain nameless. Don't worry, they're not in Global Heart Lusaka. Global Heart Perth. <coughs> so they're in our church in Perth. And I tell you, this person, they were fantastic. I loved them. They were, they were a good friend of mine. But my goodness, they could complain about everything. Everything could be going fantastic. And they would just find a way to complain. We've all got one of those friends, right? Some of them might be in this room. I'm not sure. But there's just like, it's just, e they find it easy to complain. Like the service could run amazing. But, oh, no, nah, but that song, oh, no, nah, I didn't like that one. Oh, well, that, that person didn't look at me nice. Or, you know, at work, things are going great. Business, oh, yeah, but no, nah, I just don't like that. I don't like this. No, nah, that's just not good. Like some people just are fantastic at complaining. And it's actually easy to do it. It's easy to point the finger. It's easy to find fault in others. But to come with the opposite attitude and give thanks actually brings breakthrough and joyful contentment. Come on, praising and being thankful and choosing not to complain actually brings breakthrough and joyful contentment. I, I was reading this, I thought this is so powerful. It's not always easy to give thanks, but it's the very thing we must do in order to see God's will accomplished in our lives. Come on, let me say that again. It's not always easy to give thanks. But this is the very thing we must do in order to see God's will accomplished in our lives. God is actually looking for people who live in a realm of praise and thanksgiving where the enemy no longer has an ability to hold them or manipulate them. Let me say that again. God is looking for people who choose to live in a realm of praise and thanksgiving where the enemy no longer has the ability to have a hold or manipulate them. What are you choosing to do this morning? Are you choosing to praise through the circumstance? 
Are you choosing to have a thankful heart to God, which will give you the ability to have a wisdom-filled, enduring faith? What are you choosing to do this morning? Are you choosing to make excuses and complain or have praise and thank God for what He's doing in your life despite the challenges? I want to say this, the enemy is defeated when we have a thankful heart because this, I want us to remember this, thankfulness during difficulty is a sacrifice that is pleasing to God. should be on the screen. Thankfulness during difficulty is a sacrifice that is pleasing to God. The worship team can come down and help me as we come to a close. I read this quote. It's from a person called Francis Frangipani. Interesting name. I would have changed it, but that's fine. Francis Frangipani says this. It should come up on the screen, I think. We have received too much from God to allow ourselves opportunities for unbelief. We have received too many gifts and privileges to allow a grumbling, murmuring heart to disqualify us of our destiny. In contrast, the thankful heart sees the best part of every situation. It sees problems and weaknesses as opportunities, struggles as refining tools, and sinners as saints in progress. Can I say that again? We've received too much from God. Come on, just you being here this morning is enough from God. You waking up this morning with breath is enough from God this morning. You've received too much from Him to allow yourself an opportunity for unbelief. This is your choice now, people. You've received too many gifts and privileges to allow a grumbling, unthankful, murmuring, complaining, excuse-filled heart to disqualify you from your destiny. In contrast, a thankful heart sees the best part of every situation. That doesn't mean it's fake. That doesn't mean you're living in la-la land. Oh no, everything. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And really your heart is away from Him. No, it's in the midst of my challenge, I'm choosing to praise. In the midst of my relationship breakdown, my marriage breakdown, my business failing, my, my ill health, in the midst of my challenge, I'm choosing to praise. It's seeing the best part of every situation. It sees problems and weaknesses as opportunities, right? Struggles as refining tools. And sinners, all of us, right? We're sinners. All of us have fallen short of God's glory. But rather than thinking bad of yourself, it's saying, hey, I'm a saint in progress. I'm on a journey. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not as bad as what I used to be. I always tell, I don't know where I heard this or how this dropped into my spirit, but about five years ago, Lisa and I were talking. And it was in the early days of us running church. And I think many of us can try and make excuses. And I tried to make so many of why I wasn't the right person to lead our church. 
Ah, God, but I, I used to do this and I used to have this issue and this addiction. I used to do this. I'm not so mature in this way. I'm not this. I, I, I just wanted to help. I'm not a leader. I'm not this. I'm not that. So many excuses. And God was just sitting there. Are you done? Are you finished? Because I've heard them all before. I've heard them not from you, but from everyone else. Right? How many times do we do that? Ah, oh, just then. And I remember, I don't know if it was the Lord. Definitely, I don't think it's a scripture. I haven't found it in scripture. But I remember thinking this, and I always encourage, things might not be as good as what I want them to be. But I'm definitely not as bad as what I used to be. And in that journey of following after God, He just says, hey, take one enduring faith step at a time. Just take another one. Even when it's windy and things are happening and you're being moved, just remain planted. And after all else, just take another step. You can't get from here to there of faith one leap at a time. It's one step at a time. And that endurance has to come by a thankful heart. It's protected by a thankful heart. It's, it's, it's uh, cultivated by time in His presence. And when you get that time in His presence, you'll stop making excuses of why things can't happen or why you're not the person to do it. God has called you. He's created you. He's gifted you. He's talented you with everything that you need to do what He's called you to do. To run the race that He set before you. He said it. He knows. He's got it for you. You just need to take a step. Amen.